Welcome back to another exciting adventure of the Snap No Tap podcast. How are you, Joe? I'm doing good, Tony. Good to see you, man. How are things? Good to be seen. Uh, the same. Uh, don't ask kind of thing with my mother. It's just my mother, mother, mother thing. Uh, but the Ohio State Buckeyes crushed State yesterday, which was great. And I believe this coming week they have Michigan which is our big rival. Today, oh, yeah. the Browns, who are, who are slowly disintegrating before my eyes are playing the Detroit Lions, uh, you would think the Browns are going to win that, but at this stage of the game, I take nothing for granted. So the, um, the Browns versus the Lions, isn't that kind of like, uh, what was the old joke, um, Stevie Wonder versus Ray Charles in tennis? You know, it's like, what do they call that, endless love? Anyways. Oh, I get you. Okay. Well, the Browns <laughs> are five and five. So, and they made the, yeah. Okay. Save your humor for Nico. Hey, where is Nico today? Uh, he's gone. We don't know where, what's up with Nico. Uh, he's kind of gone the way of uh, the older brother, Chuck in happy days where we don't know what happened to him. <laughs> I hope he didn't die. The older brother died recently, you know? Well, but... not in real life. Yeah. In the story. I don't know. In the no, happy the... days universe. There were actually with two guys that played that Chuck, but he only lasted a few episodes, and then they, they never even like referred to him again. Like he never existed. Well, I'm expecting. Yeah, I'm sure Nico will be back. He just obviously, I think, as long as the weather holds up with his construction job, he just works. I don't know, like 60, 70 hours, tons of weekend hours. So, yeah, that's good. That's the last good. thing he wants to do is probably see a couple of mugs like us again on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got that right. Speaking of a couple of ugly mugs, I had a show my ugly mug a couple days ago to um, the great family uh, out of, I call them the affectionately, I call them the Canadians. They're in my Tri-C program. Basically the whole family, the, the children, you know, all of his kids and uh, boys uh, and Dustin himself. And they're just wonderful. And we did a little Zoom thing, not a lesson, just shooting the bull, talking a little bit about street self-defense and, um, you know, Billy d plays music, uh, piano, and kind of relating how music can relate to, um, you know, fighting and 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 just it's it's just nice. They're a wonderful family, uh, and I've actually never met them in person. You know, we just do the tri C via the distance thing, and uh, like I said, we I made a little video the other day for the father, just me rambling on uh, about street fighting and. I'm like, it's be easier, you know, it's kind of hard to do these soliloquies, but when you're talking to somebody and they talk back and ask you questions, it's a lot easier. It says, let's, let's set up to do a Zoom. So um, we did. It was Friday uh, afternoon and it was nice. Spent a couple hours just 
chilling out, just like this, you know, just drinking my water and shooting the shit. So that's a good segue to honestly plug the Tri-C, which we've got a, a shelf life, an end date for at the end of January uh, coming up here. But that's a perfect example of what, you know, kind of customized access that someone who signs up for the Tri-C has to you, you know. Um, you know, that's, that seems pretty informal, but maybe that, you know, that's the, the, I should say dynamic and flexible. That's the advantage of it. You know, if, if someone just, you know, wants to get in and, 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 and talk about a topic, you can coordinate a time for that with you. Really, it's, it's, it's kind of you know, like the most flexible, you know, uh, and, and lifetime membership too. So, I mean. Yeah, a few weeks ago, I did a Zoom with, uh, uh, a Tri-C member from Singapore who uh, enrolled his daughter. Uh, and, you know, uh, so, yeah, it's not even limited to just guys. I to train women. And, yeah, we did Zoom, you know. Um, of course, you have to fit it into the time zones and, you know, all of that uh, stuff. But that's the one good thing about me being a world-famous insomniac. I'm up most of the time. So, <laughs> you know, you know if somebody says, well, you know, Tony, uh, three o'clock in the morning, your time won't work, will it? I'm like, yeah, well, I'm already up. I'm already on my second cup of coffee by 3 a.m. or something, 3.30. But, uh, yeah, I got to tell you, I, uh, I had to go get my booster shot um, last week. Or was it this Monday? I forgot. if. Yeah, it may have been month. Yeah, it was this Monday. The only real effect I had was, you know, it was the arm was sore. But they get, I had the Pfizer shot twice. Now, I'm bringing this up for a reason. But this time, I put down for Pfizer. But when I showed up at, um, this time I got it at CVS Pharmacy, they don't have Pfizer. They gave me the Moderna. Well, the only thing that I felt, the only side effect was that I felt drowsy. Okay, I felt like tired all day. So finally, like, I don't know what time it was, maybe seven-ish at night, seven, seven thirty, something like that. I mean, I'm like, I nodded off. And I got for the first time in years, eight hours sleep. I slept, I think I woke up once, but I went back to sleep. I slept through the night. I got literally eight hours sleep. Um, which was like I, I felt almost like guilty, like I stole something, you know. I'm like, wow, eight hours. I said, boy, I can't wait now. So, so Tuesday, I woke up all happy. I'm like, God, I hope this lingers. But it didn't. Tuesday night, back to the four hours of sleep. You know, Wednesday, four hours. Saturday, Friday, Thursday, Friday, it's always four hours for me, it seems. Well, but, I'm not a doctor, but I, I think the obvious thing to do is just get that booster every night. Then before yeah, the- right? <laughs> No, I mean, years ago, when matter of fact, when I was studying psychology a lot, the REBT stuff, um, anyway, I was going through the sleeping pill. They were putting me on a couple of different ones, Ambien. I don't remember what they were, so I don't want to say because I could be. But they put me on like three different ones, and I kept trying to tell the doctors, look, I have literally no problem falling asleep. These pills help you fall asleep. I don't need that. I can't stay asleep. That's the issue. So, you know, I have like racing thoughts. So when I wake up, man, I'm full, my brain's full blast, okay? There's no weary Tony. You know, when I'm up, I'm 100% on so that's the problem. So nothing they gave me worked, you know, and I told the, I told the doctors, man, I fall asleep like that. I have no problem falling asleep. You know, when I'm tired, I'll sleep, but I just don't stay asleep. But, um, 
Yeah, I got that. So, but anyway, we segue from the try C into that, but that's the truth. Since I don't really sleep much, it's 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 sometimes easy for me to hook up with people that way. Not always, because of the prior part of the problems with my mother. Like right now, I have a backlog here. I've got to film some try C stuff. I was going to do it today. Uh, I'm not going to be able to do it today because the things aren't going so well upstairs. So I'll probably film stuff on Tuesday for everyone um, because tomorrow uh, I I have other plans around this this house here. I'm trying to you know I'm going to put some some more stuff up up for sale and just get rid of things and and you know look for the future of either me moving out of here soon or getting a roommate in here uh, or something. So I'm just, you know, I'm trying to get all of this stuff going because it seems that it's progressing with her at a remarkably fast pace, her, her diminishing um, hmm. mental state to the point of, a, it, it may not be months before she has to be put away. It, it, we're, we're probably talking now a matter of weeks. So, um, I have to get the ball rolling for sure. I think because of nursing homes and backlogs and all of that, she will not get put anywhere this year, which is you know fine, I guess, but I got to get it. You know, look in January, February. I, I just don't know if it'll be February. I don't, I don't, I don't think it, I don't, I don't think I can last that long. It's, it's that, it's that bad here. So maybe, you know, January, well, I can, I'm sure I can speak on behalf of like everybody who's listening that obviously uh, we feel terrible that you and your mom have to go through this. I mean, I, I will say the one thing is that you sharing this does highlight kind of the, the deficiency, you know, and the need uh, for this kind of services in, you know, in our country, really, that there's, you know, there's it doesn't seem to be always uh, the ability to help. Well, it's, like it's tragic to see them like that because they're no longer who they were. They don't remember. They're not themselves. And it's it's sad. Some of the things she'll say. <clears throat> and, um, you know, you you in so many ways, you, you have to try to detach yourself. Much like a doctor would with a patient um, because it'll rip you apart. Uh, I read an article the other day that, well, of course, I'm not 70 years old, although I may look it. Uh, they said 11% of 70-year-olds are caregivers for their parents that are still alive. Okay? Wow. But here's the thing. Um, 24%, this was like a positive number for them. 24% of those caregivers caregive 100 hours a month. Others are less. And I'm like, my God, I... I do that more than more hundred more than hundred hours in a week. How many hours are there in a week? You know, twenty-four times seven. I do that, and so I do more than they, the most people in one month. I do in a week. I get no break, and that's what's difficult. That's the <clears throat> that's the that's the hard part. So, um, but yeah, it's sad to see her because she used to be in a certain way, a certain personality. <clears throat> and now, <clears throat> excuse me, to see a loved one just completely change to become a stranger. You don't know this person. This person doesn't know you. It's a weird dynamic. <clears throat> it really is. 
I hope no one. I hope they they're they're they they're testing now some nasal spray that should be uh, that they hope will be a, a preventative for Alzheimer's. Obviously, it'd be too late for my mother. It's not even approved yet, but it would it would be too late anyhow because you can't reverse any of this damage. <clears throat> but I really hope they start putting a lot more emphasis on that because boy, it sure seems that more and more people have it. Yeah, and, and like you said, the, I think the idea of kind of losing your who you are and your memories, I mean, it's a double whammy to kind of face the possibility of that because besides the fact that you know that you're going to lose your memories, which are maybe one of our most treasured things that we have, you know, in your personality. So you've got that. And then also that you're going to be a burden on your loved ones. You know, it's, 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 it's a pretty terrible thing. I mean, there's no good way to go, but that is, and the fact that it just, in, in so many cases, so prolonged. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's horrible. So I'm hoping, yeah, that's this, whatever this nasal spray thing is, is that it's, it's, it's a real thing that it ha- happens. Cause that. <clears throat> Even if it takes another 10 years or more to develop it, that's, or, you know, approve it or whatever, do it, you know, uh, just, you know, there's so many diseases that take some people quickly and others with the exact same disease linger and linger and linger, such as there was just a football player today that passed away that was a fullback for the L.A. Rams, or he may have passed away yesterday, more precisely. He had ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, and he suffered for over 20 years with it, much mm-hmm. as um, uh, Stephen Hawking survived many, many, many years with that. But generally, it takes you relatively quickly it i believe give or take a year it took lou gehrig in about three years okay uh so you don't know and with my mom she has general generally good health but as we mentioned on a previous episode here she's probably been suffering with this maybe 20 years but for sure um like 12 years and you know it's just progressed uh and it will progress more to the point where I guess they don't talk or they just become catatonic. Um, but she's very flighty. Okay. Meaning she likes to, she's very ambulatory and she paces up and down relentlessly. And I have to, you know, like even now I have, I'm thank God I'm underneath the living room. Uh, so I could hear that door if, if she uh, tried to get out because she tries to do that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. And then, you know, a lot of families sometimes go through grief, not, not only for Alzheimer's, but for whatever ailment of, did they do enough or they, you know, this or that, you know, and they, and they, you carry all of that with you too. You know, what could I have done? Could I have done more or, or you know, uh, so it, it is just very difficult. Uh, there's no easy things here. And I really hope no one, no one else has to go through it. But as I mentioned before, and we don't need to rehash, I tell everybody that would be in my position, make sure you have your own support group. You're their support group, but you have to have a support group. And that's where I fail. I, I'm just trapped out. I have no family. I have no, no support group. So that's, that's my issue. Okay, so I can't vent. Um, so any chance I can get, to get somebody to watch my mom, I have to split the house. I have to split the scene and, you know, and just try to blow off steam. So that's what I'm looking to do. Um, and then also, you know, I have things that have to get done. As I mentioned, I either have to find another place 
or I have to get a roommate or who knows what. Um, but, uh, you know, I can't be here, but oh, this is whatever. But anyway, outside of that, yeah. Uh, how are you? Well, I'm doing good. Like uh, after the podcast, I get to look forward to uh, some Costco pizza. So I'm pretty excited about that. I know that's talking, uh, you know, that's basically blasphemy here in the Chicagoland area, but um, I definitely can use some cheap pizza every once in a while. So that's my big reward for the day. Um, But otherwise, you know, I was thinking about your topic about kind of health and aging, and that dovetails into what you wanted to talk about today, um, about fitness when you're older, training when you're older. What... Yeah. You know, fitness, first of all, what classifies as old? You know, there's people that I know that you know, and I certainly know, that are in their late 40s and they're old. Uh, And then you have people who are like the great Kevin King that got, you know, my best buddy that got killed, who was 70 and he was young. He was strong and fit and everything. So I think part of it is, yeah, you just have to identify where you're at on that age spectrum. And this is something that I was talking about with Dustin from Canada uh, and set up an appropriate fitness program for you. You know, what do you want? What is it that you want? Do you, do you want to look like, you know, Sylvester Stallone or somebody, or do you just want to not have those aches and pains? Or do you want to be able to walk a flight of stairs, carry the groceries? Uh, Or do you want to be able to play racquetball or, or tennis or golf or something um, and you need to find a coach or a trainer, wh- whatever, that isn't promoting their shtick. They have to, you have to share with them exactly what it is you want, and then they have to develop a routine of exercises geared specifically for your needs or your desires. That's the big key. And sometimes, too, if you don't want a trainer, you can't get a trainer or can't afford a trainer, and you want to try to do this all on your own, it can be daunting. Because don't you notice how it seems so many people are out there selling a program? You know, I don't want to name names or name programs because I'm not going to endorse or not endorse. Um, But sometimes that's just not what you need. You know, uh, even some of my stuff would have to be tailored for you specifically, you know, now, if you want to be a fighter, yeah, do the lucky 13, do the circuit breaker and all of that. But, you know, if you're just, you know, looking to do something else, you don't want to become a world-class level fitness, you know, you got to modify it. So it's, it's, it can be daunting for people to, to find the correct answers. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of what I've seen too, and I've, I've become a lot more conscious of this as I've gotten older, um, is that there's kind of a a lot of approaches are one size fits all. And they're kind of approaches, you know, a lot of them, I I see a lot of younger trainers, especially, you know, they always go for the push and the burn um, thinking that that's a success that if I've, if I've worn this person out or pushed them, you know um, like a young athlete, you know, I mean, there may be some acknowledgement of the age, but sometimes I'm still, wary of certain training approaches uh, and certain intensities especially for someone you know like kevin 
probably has been, you know, had been working out on and off for his whole life and had been fit. You know, he, there's people who maintain fitness throughout their life. So if they start later in life, they've already got a foundation laid. Um, but, um, you know, like I actually, I had a buddy over here um, who was not an athlete growing up, um, you know, and, you know, in our age range now, I mean, you know, we were talking about different ways of passing, but I've had coworkers in my age group pass away from heart attacks and things like that who are, you know, so I'm in that window now where, you know, literally um, uh, if you're not careful, you've pushed yourself, there could be serious consequences. And so trying to figure out, you know, um, how to have that approach, how to, how to, you know, assess your, how to assess your own level. Where am I at? What is, what is, where, where, where can I, you know, how far can I push it? Uh, and what's the buildup time? I mean, there's a lot of questions to ask for each individual athlete, especially as they get older. Well, for one, I always recommend everybody, regardless of their age, to get a, uh, a full physical, you know, just find the finest facility that you can afford or your insurance or whatever it is. Get a thorough physical before you embark on this and then get a subsequent follow-up physical you know, don't listen to the doctor when he tells you to come back next year. If you have to go to a second doctor, get a follow-up physical, let's say, 30 days after you've embarked on your exercise program to make sure that, you know, you're, there's nothing else going wrong here. Um, this is part of your overall, you know, you have to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, factor this in, budget this in, the, this money, if, 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 you know, if you're going to have to pay for this. Um, and get that thing done. You just absolutely have to because so many times you read about a younger, let's say a younger athlete, an actual athlete who passes away mysteriously and then they find out, oh my goodness, well, he had a heart valve issue or something that was detectable post-mortem. Um, and in, in, maybe not in every instance could you have preempted that, but for the most part, yes, you could have caught that if you would have had a thorough investigation into your body, you know. Um, and I'm not going to, well, I guess I am going to paint with a broad brush, but doctors generally aren't, you know, you don't go to them for necessarily physical tips like lifting exercises or even diet. That may not be their specialty. Some of them may know, but, you know, so I wouldn't put too much on the doctor. I would just say here, I, I just want to know, just tell me my overall condition. Where am I at? What do I need to look out for? Then, you know, you could either contact a nutritionist uh, or a, a physical therapist or a, some sort of an athletic trainer. But again, with those types, you have to be very cognizant that they're not trying to sell you their bill of goods, their, their scheme you know, their routine or whatever, it absolutely needs to be um, customizable. And it's, it's difficult to find that. Uh, part of the issue, a few years ago, when I was going to move back into the city, um, I figured, well, I'll be a personal trainer now again, full time. And they all want you to have these certifications from these different organizations. And I bought one of the books and it's, it's quite encompassing, but the big thing is it, it's, it's a uh, assembly line. Okay. It seems like everybody learned from the same book and so many people discount real world athletes like myself, you boxing trainers, powerlifters, bodybuilders that 
you know, in, in a group, we know more about real workouts, real ways of getting people fit than, you know, the overwhelming majority of these people who are just book trained, memorized terms um, that are only specific perhaps to that organization that you're studying under. Uh, and you got to continue on and continue on and continue on. In theory, that sounds great. But where are the clinical studies? Where are the this or that? I've seen uh, licensed trainers when I was working out for a while before my gym was open. This is going back back about 15 years ago or so. Um, I was really in shape. Really, This is when I was setting records and everything. Uh, and I would be at this one particular gym that I signed up for um, not far from where I lived. The gym is no longer there. It was in Oak Park, Illinois. Um, and one of the trainers there, an older guy, very nice, he would always point out to me, to others, well, look at Tony, look at him. You know, and they were using me. And, and at, sometimes on the side, they would ask me, what, how should I do this, 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 and this? And then they're, they're passing it along. Here, they're the ones who have the degree or the uh, certification. And I don't. So they can technically, they're hired for the job. I can't get hired because they want me to go through all this training, which I, I'm not going to do. So it's, it's, it's ironic. So um, when you look back at boxing trainers, at fighters, they're boxers, they're, they're in good shape, right? They, generally speaking, let's not, you know, pick out one out of shape guy, but for the most part, they know how to get in shape. Um you know, and their, their coaches weren't from ACE or ASM or NASM or any of these other organizations. Now, that's not knocking those organizations. Anybody who's in there, you can really develop and get, get a good base of knowledge. But nothing supersedes that real-world experience, okay, that real-world training. Um, and like I said, if, if I wanted to – there were times, guys, where like when Kevin was – I was training him for the bench press competitions and shit. Um, I'd hang around and ask these old time power lifters, you know, what did you do when this happened? You know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm going to listen to them. You know, they, they, they were in this, some of these guys before I was even born. I'm, I'm not going to go to somebody who, you know, is going to get this out of a book. You know, this is real world stuff. So, I think a lot of old uh, people who may be getting older up in, up in age, it may behoove you to just, you know, reach out to somebody. You, you might be surprised at how helpful they may be that that is acknowledged in the field. That may not necessarily be a quote unquote certified personal trainer, but knows an awful lot and may be willing to share some tidbits with you. That's really how, how I look at things. I think that's true in a lot of things. I mean, like in my my work, uh, computer networking, there are certifications you can get. But I know guys who are brilliant at the job who don't have the certifications. You know, for whatever reason, they haven't gone through the testing process and the formal thing. And, you know, I've, <clears throat> I'm kind of in the middle of the pack with the knowledge level, and I've done some of the certifications for it. And uh, there are definitely people who are just what they call kind of paper engineers. They have the certificate, but they don't have the work time in there. You know, and so, uh, you know, they, they were trained for the test. Uh, and this is true, I think, in most educational things, you know, uh, most fields. Uh, uh, clearly, there's no substitute for experience, you know, and 
kind of to your other point is like, you know, as an older athlete, it might make sense to find an older trainer, you know, uh, a young person who has not dealt with injuries or setbacks or just the process of aging might not know how to, might not appreciate what an older body is going through necessarily. Um, you know, I think when you're younger, you can be a lot more cavalier with injuries or overtraining um, where you can't like right now I'm dealing with something. I, I pushed it too far. Uh, I've got, I've aggravated an old injury that I forgot about with my hip and it's taking weeks because I don't want to stop training altogether, but I have to lay off a little bit. And that was, that was on me. You know, I, actually one of the guys I was considering inviting on this podcast, he was an old time bodybuilder. Uh, he, he's actually at my work. He was, he's an engineer that I was actually thinking of was saying, well, he doesn't have the certifications, but he's the best engineer we have. And, um, but, uh, I, I was thinking about it. He, yeah, he's definitely, I think you guys would really, uh, have some back and forth on the weightlifting. Um, but, uh, he, he has this phrase. The reason I bring him out is like, he constantly says he has to con- constantly reevaluate what his body can do now. So he's about 10 years older than me. And, uh, but he's, his phrase is, I keep writing checks that my uh, body can't cash, yeah. you know? And, uh, so he says, it's, it's kind of letting go of expectations. Uh, you know, and I, I think this is a constant struggle for me, or I shouldn't say a constant, but it's, it's definitely out there. Like, uh, I'd say about a year ago, I, when a gym opened up, you know, they were COVID, we, we could train with our masks on. And I went back to some of my deadlifting and I kind of had a sequence for deadlifting where I would increase rate, increase, increase the weight at a certain, you know, progression, like X amount of pounds per, per week, I would add on and I'd slowly, well, my back spazzed out on me. It didn't like what, what I normally did, what I thought was being conservative. Cause I, especially with deadlifting, I try to be conservative because clearly your back, I mean, you want your back strong, but it's definitely something you don't want to overdo because that, that can go really bad quickly. And so I thought I was being conservative by like how I used to lift in my thirties or, you know, earlier and nope, my body, you know, it's had a spasm and I was laid out for, you know, and so, I mean, to my point, and I'm still dealing with that. I did some uh, jump squat training, you know, something that I know we do a lot of that, but I overdid it. Not again, in my mind, I didn't think I was overdoing it, but my body kind of gave me the middle finger saying, Hey buddy, you went too far there. And so I constantly having to reevaluate how far I can push it. I think that's one of the frustrations of um, being an older athlete is like, you may have a goal. I want to be able to do X, Y, or Z. And uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak now. And you have to be smart about it because you could set yourself way back um, with not appreciating, not being realistic about, uh, what you can do. So, um, I don't, I think I was making several points there, but ultimately, yeah, if you're looking for someone, um, definitely have someone who's worked with older people and, and, and probably is older themselves and has had to go through things like that. Well, it's like music, you know, you have some great educated musicians, bachelors, masters, PhD, doctors of music, but the greatest, generally most of the greatest performers, they're not even degreed musicians. Okay. Um, they're just awesomely talented. You know, so like when you listen to a guitarist, let's say you're into rock music, um, let's just say Eddie Van Halen or Eric Clapton, it doesn't matter. You don't sit there, most people aren't going to sit there and say, I wonder, well, what degree does he have? You know, does he have a bachelor's degree? What college did he go to? <laughs> Nobody, see, they don't, you know, all you know is 
This guy's playing great. And that's how this should be too. Again, I'm not knocking any of these people who go through these certifications because they have their place. They're awesome. But like you just said, um, you maybe want to reach out to someone. Okay. Uh, there was another gym that I went to that somebody told me at the gym that the well, former Mr. America, or uh, let me take that back. He may have been a Mr. Illinois, um, but competed in Mr. America or something. I never met the guy, but they said he works out here. Uh, well, so I never, like I said, I never met him and I'm not a bodybuilder. I, I have a lot of respect for those guys. That's something I can't do. Um, but again, if somebody wants bodybuilding advice, go up to this Mr. Illinois. You know, I'm sure he'll share something with you. And if he doesn't, sit back a little bit. Just watch him work out. Get an idea of what it is that he's doing. But that's the thing. I, you know, I do you think do you think I looked at Stanley Rob and I said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to learn from you. You don't have a degree. Who who are you certified under? You know that kind of shit. No, I mean, goodness gracious. So there are people out there that. You know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that has been involved in athletics my whole life, and I hope I, I die that way. I hope I'll still be in it. So I don't have the experience of being, let's say, a 55-year-old guy that's never worked out before, and it's just starting to work out, okay? I personally don't have that. It's not me. That doesn't apply to me, okay? I think that because of my experience – I can guide you because I have done that. I've guided people. Um, but personally, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of starting to work out at 50 or 55 because I've been working out pretty much my whole life. But what I find most fascinating, and I think that gets lost in all of this, is there's, um, I'll put it this way. I was watching the old movie Airport, the the first of the disaster movies as far as the airplane stuff, okay? There was a scene in it where the plane got stuck in snow, all right? This is very simple. It was at an airport. It was supposed to be, you know, Chicagoland Airport. And I'll make this long story short. It was a 707, and George Kennedy was playing the, the mechanic who was – trying to taxi it out of the stuck snow. And all the other pilots were afraid to give this thing full power because according to the manual, it's, you're going to cause structural damage. You're going to damage this, this million, several million dollar airplane. Well, George Kennedy gets in there, gives it full power, eventually gets it out of the snow. And the guy that was sitting in the co-pilot seat, another mechanic was like all nervous, like, wow. He goes, man, the book said that that couldn't be done. And then George Kennedy looked and he had a cigar in his mouth and he says, this 707 can do a lot of things, but it can't read a book. And <laughs> that's really the moral of the story that the people who write the books, nobody ever uh, interviewed me. Nobody ever interviewed you. Nobody ever, ever interviewed Kevin or Rod Vaughn or Brian Klaus or any of these other great strong guys to be in these books. So the books are a general topic. It, it, it doesn't include everybody. Everyone is different. So just like this 707 was able to do more than the book said it could, that's how you have to approach when you're training someone. That's why I love the Tri-C program because it's truly geared to you, customized. 
Because you physically, Joe, can't do the same things that I can and vice versa. So why should I force you to do something, you know, that might not, you might not, you know, it's not going to work out for you. It's not going to be to your best abilities. And, and that's how when somebody's looking for a personal trainer, again, they have to look at somebody who's knowledgeable enough to really construct something for you. And you have to be honest with this instructor, the trainer, the coach, whatever they, the moniker is. You know, you have to be you know, very honest about your health, your diet. Um, this hurts me. This doesn't hurt me. I didn't sleep well last night. Oh, I slept 12 hours last night. That, these are all tells, okay? Um, and you have to share this information with your coach. And, and he or she should be adroit enough to say, okay, I have to tailor this because we all do all great coaches tailor things. You know, we, we start off, it's like an artist with, with clay and you're molding and you're shaping and changing things here and there. Um, and that's how we, we, you have to look at it. Everybody is a piece of art, like a, it can be a piece of art, you know, but they're uh, just raw clay and let's mold them. Let's sculpt them. And you might have to change something here or there. <clears throat> Pardon me. So, um, yeah, this takes a really good um, instructor to sit there and, and put their thinking cap on. Some some can't do that. So, honestly, so, some, like, for example, my, well, I call him a mechanic, but technically he's a technician. He passed away, as you know, a few months ago, corner of my street, Steve. And I talked to him once. I said, Steve, I really want to know something. Because I was always raised with the term mechanic. You know, what's the, what's the difference between a mechanic and a technician? And the long story short, basically, is the technician is able to just not just fix something, but diagnose and, and you know, solve problems with the use of equipment and what have you. And that's, that's basically what you're, you need to find. A, a person who can be, you know, a technician here that can really diagnose your, your, your issues and and just not be the approach. Well, do it because I said so. This is the way my coach said, and this is the way his coach said. And we know that we have many of that, especially in the martial arts community, that just do it this way because, because I said so or because the book says so. And yeah, that's not always the 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 um that may not always work. And I think you know to your point earlier about how important feedback is um, to be able to communicate with, you know, have someone that you can communicate with and say, this is hurting or, you know, whatever. I mean, A, your body's giving you feedback. So you need to listen to what your body's saying and then being able to convey that to your, you know, whoever your instructor is or coach is, uh, is really invaluable. Um, you know, when we, when we decided that this was going to be the topic for this podcast, I was thinking about a couple of things that made an impression on my mind too. I, when I, a couple of years ago, we vacationed in um, uh, Yosemite in California. It's one of probably the most beautiful places, uh, you know, in the world. Uh, but some of the things you have to go see, um, you know, you have to take what's the equivalent of a hike of several flights of stairs, certain beautiful waterfalls or, or, or see, you know, vistas that you can look out on. And, you know, this was the first time in my life where I actually had the ability to go do a trip like that, you know, I was raising kids for most of my, my uh, young adult life. So it's the first time where I had the opportunity to go away. And I noticed that there were a lot of older people there too, but who were struggling to get 
to uh, enjoy these things. Kind of, there was like, um, you know, I, I don't know their story. I don't know specifically what's going on, but the one, I guess my point being is about thinking about fitness when you're older uh, and some of the attributes you may want. So I guess I'm kind of going to make an observation and also kind of a question to you. But to me, I noticed a lot of these people were struggling getting to enjoy their later years, you know, so they, they were able to finally probably travel to the beautiful place, but because of limited fitness or mobility or maybe injuries, you know, I, again, I don't know what their backstory was, but there's definitely people who, you know, were just, you know, they were kind of using a cane while they were, you know, going up this hike things kind of to my, my earlier point about watch out for overtraining too, because that's as big of a negative as not training maybe. Um, so I guess, you know, what are some of the physical attributes that you want to work on and maintain, um, you know, as you're getting into your advancing years? Um, I guess that's a question. Many years ago, I read a book, and in that book, and I don't recall the name, they, I guess the coroner for the city of New York City uh, in the 50s, um, did detailed, kept detailed notes of autopsies and so on. Uh, and not just for uh, criminal things, but, you know, I, I guess when you're not, someone who dies not in the presence of a doctor uh, is supposed to have an autopsy. Anyway, what he remarked on was the vast deterioration across the board of everybody's lungs, okay, at an advanced age, the, they, just the capacity, everything was just deteriorated. That could be because they were smokers. That could be because of pollution. That could be because of secondhand smoke or, you know, what have you. Who knows? And that made an impression on me. And I started as a young kid, and I started to pay attention to everybody because I was there was a lot of old timers in my neighborhood. And how they'd, they'd have to stop and uh, take a, I can't, I can't catch my breath, you know. So, that to me, across the board, no matter what your condition is, um, or meaning what your state of physicality is, you can work your lungs, your breathing exercises, and get that cardiovascular system going. You'll never, you'll never have too much cardiovascular uh, capabilities, believe me. So that's a universal that I would say um, to, to look at first and foremost. Aches and pains, well, let me tell you something. When you're out of oxygen, when you're out of breath, your body's going to start to ache because you're not getting the blood, you're not getting the oxygen to the muscles and so on. So many times you may think, oh, my muscles are weak. They may be, but it could be it's your level of fitness that's not feeding your body what it needs. So I would always say to work on your cardiovascular the next thing is mainly your legs. Uh, this is a generalization. And once again, you'd have to interview the person. But like, that's the thing that you say about boxers, their legs went, you know, their legs go. That's the biggest deterrent with me. Of course, when I had that aneurysm, I, I wasn't able to walk. So my legs, you know, and, and because of my back injuries my whole life, my legs were never the strongest compared to my upper body. So for me, the first thing that I notice that goes when I'm not working out regularly are my legs, um, leg strength, leg muscular endurance in the legs. Um, another big thing that most people suffer from, me, uh, is low back pain, okay? There, that's, that's an epidemic, it seems, sometimes in this country. And um, 
A lot of it has to do with poor posture, me, uh, and, and other things along those lines. So these are things that you, you, you know, normally want to look at. And then arthritis. A lot of people suffer from arthritis and, you know, that could be incredibly painful. Uh, you know, so you need to get that treated if possible and, and, or work around any kind of limits. But by no means am I being exhaustive here. But these are the main things that I've experienced in my life, not just necessarily personally, but, you know, with, with, with the people that I've either, either known, met, or have trained. These, these, these are it. So um, Kevin was going to go hunting. He used to go hunting all the time. One time in the Bitterroots, and he just felt the need about six months out. He bought one of these climbers with the steps and the handles. And he ended up giving it away to Big Brian after he was done with it, but he bought that specifically because of all the climbing and the mountains and the hills and whatever he was going to um, go through. He just wanted to make sure that he would be fit. You know, I think you and, and your buddy that was on here that did the uh, wilderness thing, that part of the issue, man, guys, you know, especially your, your, your friend didn't have the conditioning, you know, to go through that. So those are, those are big issues with me, Joe. Um, Lung capacity, your legs, you know, mobility. I was going to mention mobility. Yeah, that's a huge one too. I, I've noticed that with, it's just so easy to um, not work on that, especially if you have a sedentary type job like the, the work I do. Um, you know, I'm not, there's tons of ranges of motions that I would not normally use. And, and um, it sneaks up on you where, you know, I used to, you know, as a kid growing up doing kind of like kickboxing classes, we were, they were stretching us all the time, you know, for the kicks. And uh, it's definitely like a use it or lose it kind of a thing. And I think, yeah, like just going up a flight of stairs, you'd think something that I think like someone in our level of fitness kind of takes for granted, but I've seen people struggle with that, you know, and that's, that's scary or getting in and out of a car at a certain age, um, all these things. Um, well, yeah, and you can change this, you know, bend over a lot or squat down to pick something up as opposed to bending over. So you don't injure your back and, uh, you know, uh, get up and down more often. Uh, look, I remember as a kid and people joke about this, but like I was raised by my grandparents and my grandfather would say, get up, change the channel, put on channel, put on channel three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and right. And nowadays with all the remotes, no, there is no channel to change, but Think about think about how overall lazy we become with things that we're not ever even thinking about. So you know what? What do you do when you want to change your channel? This sounds ridiculous, right? But why don't you just grab your remote control, get up, walk in front of the television, change it, and walk back to your chair? You know, there's your little exercise, right? Um, if you drop something, let's say right now I'm seated – if I drop something, I can just lean over like this and pick it up. Well, why don't I just why don't I just stand up, right, and then squat down, pick it up, you know, and then you know put it back down on the table. Why don't I do that? You know, just as these are things that you can do throughout the day that'll make a difference because all of us, and I'm as guilty as anybody else. Sometimes we just want to look at it or look at let's get the easiest way, you know. Let me save this wear and tear <laughs> or whatever other excuse we come up with. But, you know, like I saw on a fortune cookie one time, don't let it rust out, wear it out. 
you know, so, <laughs> uh, you know, start doing those kind of things. I mean, I would believe that guys like Jack LaLanne probably advocated it. I'm sure he did. He was always about fitness. Uh, Joe Bonamo, who, who knows who else. But, they, you know, always like exercise, exercise, and your diet, keeping your weight right, you know, keeping your weight down um, is so important. So you're not putting an extra strain on your heart and your, you know, your, your whole system and your joints. I mean, the other thing to think about too is bone density. I know it's a particular issue as women get older with osteoporosis. Uh, I mean, in, in some ways, the advice, I mean, the things you want to be working out any time in your life or the stuff you still want to be working on as you're older. So obviously you need to be doing some type of resistance stuff to try and keep that bone density going. And, and, and you know, because obviously as you get older, people are always like when they fall, they end up breaking things, you know, like, right. and so uh, other things to keep in mind, like you may not be able to be a power lifter, you know, or, or uh, uh, but still doing some type of uh, resistance, whether it's calisthenics or free weights, obviously under some guidance, if you haven't had training before, uh, it's also something you don't want to neglect. No, and this was an interesting thing because years ago, years ago, when Kevin and I were really lifting pretty heavy, we knew this really nice guy. His name was George. Um, he was a runner, marathon runner, very small guy, you know. And you know, Kevin and I, we a lot of people were intimidated by us because we were bigger and louder and all of that. And George was a smaller, humble guy, quiet, real soft-spoken, and. So these, these, these women that we knew, they were all like, you know, well, George is so fit, so fit. And we tried to tell him he, he's fit in a different way, okay, in a way that he may not be fit. Uh, and, you know, I used to use the expression of carrying groceries and stuff, you know. But, sure, one day George had a move, um, and he asked Kevin and I, and the, the, the women wanted to be there, too, just to, you know, whatever. And... Uh, they quickly, found, they quickly found out that George wasn't so fit because anything with any weight, you know, he was struggling, huffing and puffing. Whereas Kevin and I, it just this was like carrying a bag of feathers. It meant not, we were up and down the steps, no problem. Or, you know, Mr. Mr. Marathon Runner was, was really, he's just having a hard time at this. You know, um, and he wasn't really an old man. I don't know, he's, he was older than me, but he was younger than Kevin. So he was probably maybe 40, 42 at the time. So yeah, you, you can't, there's different kind of levels of fitness. So this again, boils down to what do you want out of your body? Know your lifestyle. I mean, don't train specifically for like one event that may or may not ever happen. Right. Like, oh, I want to get my legs strong in case my car dies and I have to push it up a hill. You know, uh, don't do anything like that, but know what your life is like. Know what your lifestyle is like. Okay. And envision what, like, let's say you're getting ready to retire. And what do you plan on doing in retirement? You know, maybe you're going to take up a hobby or something that you, you never really did before, or you did seldom. And do you need to be in better condition for that? Maybe it's golf. So now you want to learn how to walk more, you know, you want to get better, you know, more condition to, to walk around and, and play 18 holes, uh, unless you want to do the golf cart thing. So who knows? But, but you have to, you know, use your brains, write this thing out, write everything down, 
and share it with somebody or some buddies, you know, um, that are more knowledgeable than you and say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is where I'm at now. What do you think my needs are? So, you know, everything has to be structured. So um, me, on the other hand, because I've been doing high-level athletics my whole life, I don't want to do anything like that. You know, when I'm, well, I'm old now, but even when I get any more older, I want to start finally taking it easy. But taking it easy does not mean giving up. You know, I'll still be the world's strongest couch potato if I can. You know, I'll go to the gym and as long as I can continue to lift and do my things. And, um, but I don't plan on specifically training because I'm not a golfer. I only golf once in my life. I, I, so golf is out of it. I don't want to play tennis anymore. My joints, I just don't feel like running. Um, so I'm just going to, uh, you know, base my life on what it is that I think I'll be doing. Yeah, and I think there's also an admonition to younger athletes to keep in mind your longevity, you know, that think about the end game too, that there is a, you know, like I'm sure, I don't know about you, but like I never thought I'd be 50. I mean, I knew I would theoretically, but I can't actually, it's surprising to me that I'm there. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about like some of my uncles uh, who played football when they were younger. And I remember seeing them in their 40s when I was a kid and they were hobbling around, you know, they took injuries that, you know, that they carried for the rest of their lives. And some of that's unavoidable. And that's a choice. You know, if you're saying, Hey, I want to, I really love this thing. And it's a passion. I'll take that risk. And that's fine. But just be aware. Cause especially because we are in like, you know, when you train in uh, combat sports or self-defense uh, you know, keep in mind the risks of what you could be doing and, and, and protect yourself too, about the people you train with. Uh, don't forget about the longevity thing about this, that some stuff, you know, you'll carry with the rest of your life. And oh, it may, yeah. And, yeah, and like I said, and, and, and it may limit you in some of the stuff you want to do with those last years of your life. Well, I found because I've been single most of my life, th this is a big thing with a lot of the women that I've met or dated, um, because not all of them, but the majority of them weren't, weren't athletic. You know, they weren't like, athletes you know one was um but most of them were not like competitive athletes so they don't understand what you just said how now they're they're at a certain age and they're 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 feeling pretty good you know every every woman i've ever dated was was thin so they're all like you know 120 pounds and you know they don't have aches and pains for the most part and let's go well they don't get it you know how when you're an athlete especially high level, and you put your body through all of this stuff, it will catch up to you. There's just small exceptions, but for the most part, it catches up to you. And man, when you're in always a constant state of pain, it may be your shoulders, it may be your neck, it could be your legs, your back. I mean, who knows, your knees. Um, I don't think a lot of people get that. And when you are in chronic pain, uh, like I am and others, it wears on you mentally too. It ages you mentally. So you have to combat that. You know, you have to try to think young, I guess, you know, you, you, you want to try to continue to push yourself as best you can, but you learn to do detours. You become the world's greatest detour driver because you got to know your body enough to make detours around the injuries. If you try to go straight through the injuries, it's like going over a bumpy road and you're going to end up causing damage to your suspension system in your vehicle, 
and your vehicle in this case is your body. So you're going to just continue to create more injuries. So you really have to know how to work around it. And sometimes it's just road closed. You can't go anywhere. And on those days that you're just not feeling up to it, the person you're with is going to have to be understanding and say, okay, you know, we, we can't go. All right, we can't do it. And if they can't deal with that, then they then they seriously need to find somebody else, you know, in their life because you're you, you can't, you know, what's going to end up happening? You're going to end up in a hospital. So I've always found that frustrating, you know, um, and especially because you know you and I we put ourselves in the in the community of world class athletes. All right, some of the guys that we know have met have trained um, are the, are champions, you know. Or are, are among the best in the world, and you know that's we're, we're so we're in a whole different world than the majority of people. Uh, we don't have the fame and fortune of NFL players or NBA or something like that, but um, you know we're we are with the elites, and it's a different it's a different it's a different mindset and it's hard. And for me, I don't want to do something half-assed. I'd rather not do it. Um, and that's part of maybe an ego thing, but I, if I'm going to do something, I want it to be shown just exactly how it should be done. And if I'm not capable of doing it, I just don't want to even attempt it. You know, that's, that's like with music, you know, I, I cannot play at a level that I think is, would do the, do it justice. So I just choose not to, not to play, you know, in public or anything, or even around here. I just don't have the chops anymore and I won't get the chops back. It's not capable. I've tried. It's not, I'm not capable of it. So goodbye. You know, I want to circle back. You mentioned cardio being maybe the, the primary thing you want to focus on because I've just started to look into this myself just because it's something I've always struggled with or I've definitely struggled with more as I've gotten older, uh, just the ability to maintain a high level of it. Um, it's something I'm always struggling with when I'm working out. Um, but I began to notice, so I joined a gym recently, um, just as the weather's getting colder, I'm going to be working out indoors and they have exercise bikes that actually, like when you hold on to the, you know, uh, when you hold on to them, it gives you your, your pulse rate. So normally I don't monitor my pulse rate, but it was interesting for me to see how high my, my, my heart rate was, even when my lab, my breath wasn't labored. So, um, you know, like I normally don't, I know a lot of people have like either wristbands or things that, you know, that they carry on them that actually shows them what their active heart rate is. Um, but one, a, I start looking up, but what heart rate should I be working out at? You know, like what's a good for or, or like just basic aerobic fitness. Like if I want to have a baseline. And so uh, I don't know if there's something you've looked into or have any familiarity with. Of course. So what are some general guidelines? Well, they want you to get, you know, 80% of your target heart rate, you know, um, but for some people that could put them in a, in a, in a, in a coronary state, you know, that's why you, you have to have your, uh, you have to be checked out. You, you, you see, like I have that mitral valve prolapse. So, you know, I want to watch, I don't want to get that, you know, flutter and pass out and hit my head and all of a sudden things are bad. So, you know, you want to make sure right now, anything is better than nothing, right? You want, but I shouldn't say anything, I'm exaggerating, but you want to make a gradual increase. Um, but you want to make sure of what you're working with. 
you don't need to damage your heart's a muscle that you don't want to damage or scar it up. Uh, so I would strongly suggest at least getting an EKG, maybe get some blood work done, whatever, whatever your doctor would recommend, but I would share it with him or her, uh, saying I'm going on this fitness thing. Um, I keep thinking I'm hearing her. That's why I'm looking around. Um, but for sure, uh, if you're just gingerly like walking around or riding a bike at a slow pace, you're, you're not really going to be accomplishing anything. Okay. You do have to start getting your heart rate up. Um, I would always, for me, if you wanted to play it safe, I'd get it into 50% range minimum, um, you know, get it up there uh, and then just see how long you can keep it there. And then 52 and then 55 and then 58 and then 60 and just, you know, gradually, uh, you know, work your way up. Because the other thing you have to watch out for is if you start to struggle, your form is going to break down and you may start injuring something. Okay. It could be your back, could be your knee. If you're running, it could be your hips or even probably with a cycling, it could be your hips. Um, could be your neck, you know, cause you're, struggling to keep your head up because you're getting you know whatever believe me you you can get all these aches and pains and it all stems from the fact that you're you know you're 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 not in condition enough you're pushing yourself beyond your your condition and now your your form is breaking down so form is really also just as important as your uh conditioning because uh if you start to lose condition and you start to lose your form now you're struggling even more you're compounding things so sometimes it's just time to stop, you know, just quit until you can work your condition up, you know, until your form doesn't break. Are there any areas that people may not be thinking of? Obviously, when you're talking about what I would, what I would say, like kind of general civilian fitness that people may not be thinking of. Like one thing that comes to mind for me is neck conditioning. So as like grapplers, you know, if we, we train grappling, we think about neck conditioning. It's, it's, it's just like a staple. It's a fundamental that you're training your neck to be strong. Uh, but it's one of those things that when I talk to, uh, you know, friends and, and who are working out or doing whatever, like I just talked to Casey because um, he's riding a motorcycle now in, in Thailand. And so I'm like, man, make sure you keep your neck strong. I mean, he's wearing a helmet and everything, but you've also protect your neck. Like the Wu-Tang says, you know, um, and uh, kind of going back to my earlier point about you know, people have falls and they get hurt. And yes, you should learn how to fall appropriately and get training for that. But regardless, I think like to me, neck conditioning is something that is not talked about at all um, for outside of, you know, martial arts training or, you know, fight training. And that's something that I think people neglect and it can, you know, it may protect your life at some point. So um, are there any other areas that people may not be, you know, that in your general fitness program that, people may skip over or, or not, it might not be as obvious that you should work. Yeah. Well, grip, you know, most people just don't work their grip and uh, you know, that, that I, I think the grip and the neck, well, the neck you got to watch out for because you can really injure yourself. As a matter of fact, I think I mentioned on here, I have never once met a, an orthopedic surgeon or a chiropractor that, that did not yell at me to don't do neck bridges. They're the worst thing in the world for your neck. Don't do bridges, you know, because they're, they're done improperly many times. Okay, like the circular stuff and all, you don't want to do that. So you have to be very careful. But I would say the grip um, is, 
another thing that people just don't work on, or you get these guys that are heavy into the grip. I used to follow them. I'm no longer, I haven't paid attention to that since I blew my arm out um, years ago, but um, uh, I think that they sometimes take it to an extreme and they don't work on anything else. Uh, and core, you know, your hip, low back region, um, your abs, people don't work that out enough to make it very strong. Those are the three things. Now, in your experience or somebody listening, they may have experienced something else. Um, a lot of it depends on the mindset of the person. A lot of people are anti-bench press, uh, anti-overhead press, uh, anti, uh, you know, whatever. You know, there's a lot of that anti-stuff. Uh, and, and so they may say, well, I can do X amount of push-ups. Great. You know, um, I've always tried to do both. I'll bench and I'll do push-ups. I'll work my arms. You know, curling, I think, is super important to have strong arms. Um, and I think that's another thing that's overlooked. Uh, I, I don't, I've never met people. I haven't met a whole lot of people that I think have really strong arms. Okay. To my level of what I think strong is. Okay. But I, I got to go with the simplest, which is probably the grip. Nobody works their grip. I shouldn't see nobody, but you know what I mean? Nobody, you know, they, it's not emphasized work. like it should be. Well, where I'm at, uh, at this Planet Fitness and shit, outside of probably doing pinch grips, you cannot work your grip. They don't, they do, it's just the, the, you know, wrist rolls, this isn't going to help your grip. Um, they do, they don't have the, <clears throat> the stuff. Uh, I mean, unless you wanted to be really creative and start bringing in towels and, you know, things like that. Um, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't see that that is a type of gym that, that you could, you could do it in. I've seen other gyms that I don't remember. I don't want to name the name because I may be getting it mixed up. That you also have nothing but machines. Okay, absolutely not even dumbbells. All right. So for sure you can't you can't work your grip uh, in those places. Um, so that you know it just you got to sometimes find an old hardcore gym or just work your grip at your house. Yeah, we still need to do like either a YouTube video or a, another podcast. I think we've touched on the grip stuff before, but I think it'd be worth revisiting going through kind of your, your approach because you've got definitely kind of a, a very deep knowledge for that stuff that I don't think a lot of people have. Yeah, I used to have a good grip. I mean, it's gone for the most part with this. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't even have weights at my house any longer because I lost all of that when I lost my gym. So even though I have my grip machine, I don't have any plates, weight plates. So I can't even work my grip here, um, which sucks. But um, yeah, no, grips, grip is, you know, a lot of times people complain about their grip, you know, or they just can't pick up anything or their hands ache. And a lot of that is because of, uh, yeah, you know, through the years, arthritis might set in. Um, but yeah, how many people really through their life have, you know, have grasped stuff, you know, and, use their hands in a different way there's many ways to just improvise your grip at the house without having to become a hercules at it or a rod von you know just grabbing different size objects and you know um making a do-it-yourself thing well we're getting close to the the lunchtime hour so okay. i know my pizza's waiting for me um 
any other closing thoughts? Any other advice? Well, we were talking about trainers, and normally we plug the, the, the studios here in the Chicagoland area, so why don't you plug that first? Well, absolutely. Now, yeah, I apologize for not doing that at the beginning, but uh, uh, for sure, schools uh, that we like to endorse, friends of ours, uh, if you're looking for uh, authentic Muay Thai training in the Chicagoland area, uh, the best place you can go is the Akai Training uh, Center Hall, uh, run by Rick Solo. Uh, definitely Google him up and look. He's on the north side. Uh, he spent a lifetime training over there, and it's just he just recently won an award. I saw on a post online for his lifetime commitment to the art and his contribution. So uh, proud to be uh, associated with him and his school. Um, also on the north side, if you're looking for gi jujitsu and some also some Muay Thai and judo training now, uh, Bender Martial Arts and Fitness, uh, a great gym there in Andersonville. Um, if you're looking for no gi grappling. Uh, our good friend Josh Pacini's 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. Um, yeah, you can't go wrong with that. Great guy, great high-level group of guys over there that train there. So all great gyms. Well, we have a nice circle of tough guys, you know. We're trying to get that <laughs> Chicago thing reestablished, you know. Let's take Chicago back to like it was in the 60s and 70s, right? So it could rival New York back in the day when it was like, then it became the big rivalry, the New York martial artists against the L.A. or, you know, California martial artists. That's that was what was going on when I was a kid. And then, you know, Chicago was kind of notorious with bringing uh, Count Dante and all of that. But, uh, yeah, uh, th these are good guys, you know, and I, I'm, I'm longing to get back, you know, to see him now and then and, and, and who knows what else. Um, but, yeah, guys, it was it was another good show. Uh, nice to talk to you again, Joe. And I sure hope to see you next week. And uh, oh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody! This is oh yes, in America, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. The British are probably glad to get rid of us. So you know, yep, <laughs> we're here, and we got a few more days, and it will be Thanksgiving, and and that's it. Yeah, the holidays are upon us. You know, uh, let's yep. get the year over with. <laughs> All right. Good to talk to everybody. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.